Welcome back to another Best Coast Football. A heartbreaking week for some of us. Actually, for all of us. Strike uh, up the funeral dirge. The Pac-12 <laughs> playoff hopes are dead. Yes. No bowl eligibility for some teams that we may root for. Uh, getting slaughtered in our battle for the victory bell. I'm Tim Kelly. With me, as always, Cody Peterson, Nate Salinas. How are you both doing today? Happy to be back. Not happy about the results this weekend, but always happy to be back on the pod. Cody? Uh, feeling good. Looking forward to some chaos in the north and, you know, a couple, you know, I, I don't think any of us wanted our teams to be in the position they're in at this moment. But, um, you know, I think in general for the conference to have a couple meaningful games for a division race in the final weekend of the regular season is exciting. Three, three teams in the north with a chance to, to take to go to the championship game. I think that's that's good. Uh, maybe parity isn't great for the conference in all respects, but it'll be a fun weekend. Well, Nate, we'll have you lead off with uh, your thoughts on, well, the biggest disappointment of the weekend. Listen, it's for, for it, Nate. For Nate. Yeah, sure. it was just a tough week all around in uh, Utah. The, uh, the plane proverbially did not land in Salt Lake <laughs> City. <laughs> the, the team was there, but they were not there. No, I just, I think uh, a few things. What's funny is the game did not get away as fast as I think it seemed. Uh, at one point, I think Utah was up 14-0, and I like looked at the stats, and they had actually only rushed the ball, I think, 24 times for 88 yards. And I was like, oh, if I saw that, I actually – I would think Oregon was like doing okay. It's just that, that Utah just made all the plays that they needed to. It's like they'd run for two, then they'd run for three, and then on third and five – uh, you know, uh, their uh, QB rising, who was okay, not great. He'd scramble for like five and a half yards, you know, in a first down. And it's like, they did that every single time for how grinding, many, grinding out drives and, until the dam broke, you know, and then it's like, and then Oregon was down 21 zero had kind of this, this, this strange series before half where they were like between going for it or not, if you will, ended up needing to punt with five, six seconds left and uh, 13th year senior Britton Covey, yeah. <laughs> who I think has he's actually, two... he's actually uh, a professor at the university. Yeah, he's no longer a say. student. <laughs> yeah. Just, he's like twice, <laughs> twice dissertated. <laughs> he returns his punt back along the sideline. And it was, you know, quite literally the, the, the backbreaker from there. I think the, I think the second half was, played, I don't think it, it was, literally broke anyone's back but no it was, but it was proverbially I mean, the second half was basically played even right it was seven seven oh no i'm sorry it's ten seven to utah but for more or less the game was over at at halftime and just kind of played to a stalemate in the second half because i mean neither of those teams are built to come back from big deficits right i mean right neither of them have a quarterback who's going to sling it for 400 yards um and so you know 28 nothing at halftime felt like you know maybe if you were playing you know an explosive offensive team it felt like, like the equivalent of you know 42 to nothing because of the way Oregon moves the ball but you know, in, in a similarly methodical manner of you know on the ground so mm -hmm. 
Yeah, ultimately, I, you know, as I as I kind of look at the game, just to break it down real quick, it, Oregon had obviously played with fire all season, losing to Stanford. They ran into a team that that got ahead, that made the plays early that they needed to make, got them behind, and then y- you could simply see that they were floating by in spite of Anthony Brown all season, and then and then they needed him, and it was like this game was certainly not on him. They lost it in every phase. But you can see that he's just he's not capable of providing something that you might need from from a great team. So, Tim, what'd you see? Yeah, I mean, it, to your point about Brown, but also just the team rushing. Uh, twenty three carries, sixty three yards total. It's kind of un un Oregon like a good uh, good defensive performance. And I agree with you about if the playoff chances are the back that punt return literally was the backbreaker and uh, kind of, kind of reminded me of uh, Super Bowl 48 when uh, Percy Harvin took the kick return at the opening of the second half and uh, kind of gave the Hawks the uh, Super Bowl it seemed at that point. And that's kind of what that punt return felt like granted a little bit less higher stakes, but um, yeah, just um, not particularly great game from, Utah either I mean stat wise you know I mean they ran for 208 yards but I mean they didn't get 400 total yards offense but you're right they just made the right plays when they had to no this is one of those games you almost had to see it was like if you just pull up the team stat page you're like how did this get to 38-7 it's like you know total yards was was 386 versus 294 um I think Utah was right at four yards a rush was it 4.1 which for college football is really not that good You know, now they got 50 attempts, which (laughs) means Oregon, it's just one of those, what Oregon does to other people. They just, they, they body blowed you to death. And it's like, if you get four yards of carry every time that, that results in a first down, if even ugly. And it was a, it was a clean game, no turnovers really, uh, even on penalties, you know, minimal penalties. So like, you know, the two best teams in the conference played a, you know, a, a solid game, but I think, you know, you've got a couple things. I mean, maybe this is somewhat skewed by the, the lopsided score at halftime. You know, the total rush, the rushing total was 208 to 63 in favor of Utah. Maybe that's because Oregon need to throw the ball in the second mm-hmm. half. Right. Maybe that's a little exaggerated because of just how the first half went. But um, so, I mean, just, just the rushing imbalance and then uh, you know, Utah three sacks, six tackles for loss, Oregon had one of each. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, this was, we talked about this being potentially the, the two best teams up front and Utah dominated. And I think, I think that what, you know, something that needs to be considered is, and, and Whittingham deserves credit for is how much better Utah has gotten, especially in the last yes. four games. You know, you go, you go back and look at the beginning of their season. You know, we had uh, the Charlie Brewer uh, experience there for the first two and a half games you go back and you say, well, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, who knows. But, you know, they lose to BYU and San Diego State. You know, Rising came in, you know, midway through when it was kind of almost too late, brought them back, just, you know, lost in overtime. Um, they could theoretically be a playoff team if Rising had started the season. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, who knows if they beat BYU, who knows if they get those wins. But the way they're playing now, I mean – I don't think there's many teams in the country. I mean, rising still has limitations throwing the ball, but the, their physicality 
sound tackling they're they're a tough out i mean this is like a quintessential whittingham team that he's you know he seems to be able to mold year after year after year and this is one of his best if not his best we'll see it's crazy i don't know how they do it you know we got to move on to the next game but i went back and looked just because i had some time on my hands and i was curious (laughs) (laughs) that evening i i don't think they got a contribution from a single four-star player, or obviously five-star either, that they recruited. I think Clark Phillips, the DB, is the only one that I could find. But but like on offense, where they really dominated the game, and defense too, I, I don't think they got a single contribution from a four- or five-star player that they recruited. I mean, they Just have legit backs, but name, name a quick pop question, name a receiver on Utah's roster. I couldn't name a receiver. Brent, Brent <laughs> well, he say, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. That's no, true, I know, yeah. I know, but yeah, yeah. Forty-one, he he forty-one-year-old father of six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he he does. He is a really special, no, yeah. special special teams player, but uh, he doesn't get a ton of catches. To and your I, point, that was Cody. We were talking. He, he was the only receiver that caught a ball in this game. Sorry, not interrupt you. That's insane. He literally did not complete. He, the other passes were completed to the backs and one tight end. Yeah, I mean, Kuthi had a huge game as, as a tight end, you know, made some big plays on uh, play action, you know, you know, just when Oregon's, you know, starting to cinch up to try to stuff the run and prevent that, you know, four-yard conversion on a third down, and then they hit a big pass play on play action. Um, yeah, a couple, you know, I, you know, like I said, it was relatively clean. You know, there was just, you know, some of these drives, it was just like they got off schedule. For Oregon, you know, uh, false start penalty uh, on their first drive um, had a you know a big you know in the tackles for loss and sacks that we mentioned where you know Oregon and Anthony Brown specifically are not you know they're not built to get out of a second and seventeen. That's just not their game. No one, no team is built for that. But like it's obviously not optimal. But you don't ha- you don't you're not expecting him to complete you know complete you know, two 10 yard passes to get a first down. It's just a big ass for him. So you named it the difference in the game. Honestly, we, we named all those stats were very similar, but Utah had six tackles for loss and, and three sacks and Oregon, you said had one of each, right. And that's, yep. that's the difference between being in third and six and running for six and a half yards and being in third and 11 and picking up nine and then, and then missing two field goals or punting. You know, yeah. like Oregon came into this, I think nine of nine on field goals coming into this game went over two, just yeah. everything came apart at once. So we'll save the conversation about this coming week for both these teams towards the end here. But well, the second most important game in the conference, surprisingly, was in Corvallis, Arizona State and Oregon State. And the Beavs finished the year perfect at home, six and zero with a 24 to 10 victory over Arizona State. Um, and the Sun Devils just continue to kind of fall apart. Yep, and and Rod Gilmore continued to perfect the art of announcing in Pac-12 after dark. Um, you know, we I think we all picked the Beavs to win this game. We you know we had, um, you know their performances at home. Um, ASU had had kind of a couple games in a row where they had just turn it up to 11 in the fourth quarter and, you know, gotten fourth quarter comeback wins. Um, just felt like they were kind of playing with, uh, playing with fire as well. 
And, um, you know, this was, this was not, you know, this was a close game at one point. It, it became a one score game in the second half. It was 17, nothing at halftime. ASU had missed a couple field goals in, in that span. Um, it was also, I mean, I mean, ASU just sloppy. I mean, you look at the, the stats, it says they only had, you know, 10 penalties. Seven of those were false starts. They had seven false starts. <laughs> Nate, I mean, we, I don't, Tim, have you, I don't know if you've been to Reeser. I mean, it's, it's a nice home environment. It's not a huge stadium. It is not deafening. I mean, maybe when they turn on the chainsaw, but like they can't do that during play. So ne- ne- never been to Corvallis. So nope, never been to Reeser. But uh, I mean, you know, there was also multiple plays in the first half where an ASU receiver or back caught the ball and just fell down. Like, you know, they were trying to just, you know, make a play or, you know, thinking about how they're going to make the next man miss and just got caught up with their feet and fell, you know, it's just, they just, you know, were maybe, I don't know if they were trying a little too hard or, or, or what, but they were just sloppy in a lot of ways. Um, they, they, uh, Locher, I've been calling him Loker all season, but I heard, you know, heard someone pronounce his name correctly. It's Luke Locher. He flubbed a, a snap on the punt and um, ASU recovered it and, and punched in a freebie for like an eight yard drive for a touchdown. So 17, 10. Um, and then bees responded immediately with like a five place, 75 yard drive to make it 24, 10. So that was the final score. And, you know, ASU just um, with, you know, I think their last two drives, ASU had 14 yards they with just the, with a linebacker moonlighting as a running back scoring a 47 yard touchdown yeah coletto yeah. taking one to the house on i think it was a fourth and two yeah from, mid, want, from midfield and he just housed it i want to make a quick comment because i loved that call loved that call by jonathan's i feel like jonathan's been get gets it he could feel the momentum it was second and five they tried this like end around play got like two yards then it was third and three and they went with their smaller back trey low he gets like a yard you know if that it's fourth and a long two. I think they're on the wrong side of the f- – no, no, no. No, no, they're the right side of the 50, but they're 47 yards away, right? I feel, And I feel like, you know, your defense is playing well. I feel like a lot of coaches punt. They're, Jimmy Lake certainly punts. Right <laughs> fourth and two midfield. And I just feel like Jonathan Smith has this feel for a game that says, if we punt this ball, we give ASU a better chance to win. And he went out and he ran – and he, he ran a specific play that got, gave him an opportunity to get his bigger back, as Tim had said, in a kind of a one-on-one where he could go over or around someone. And it results in a touchdown. It's what ultimately won the game. It, it was the backbreaker. And just I just love the way that Jonathan Smith coaches. He, he's been aggressive all year. We've talked about games. Um, I apologize. I'm struggling to, to name the game. as their, their, I don't know, third or fourth game of the season or he apologized to the team afterwards because they went for it at, you know, on their own side of the call on the 40 and didn't get it. And opposition went down and scored a quick touchdown. And he felt like that gave, I think it was the, against the Cougs. He did that. It was the Cougs. And, yeah. and the Cougs, he, he apologized to the team for kind of like forcing it. Uh, you know, it was just, as you were talking, Nate, it was like, I mean, I, I would bet that they're at or near the top of the league in terms of fourth downs attempted this year, they're nine for 19 on fourth downs this year. And to your, and I think if you looked at situationally, the number of times he's done that, 
you know, not not on not past the forty yard line, like not kind of in that no man's land, but a truly gutsy call, you know, near midfield. He he's done it consistently all year, and this one paid off big time. So, um, do you guys think that this could be a later discussion? But just kind of a quick quick thing. Do you think? I mean, you're both talking about how great he is. Where you know aggressive, you know, and. and I like it. I'm not saying he's great, but no, no, no. He's, yeah, no, he's, been a, he's had a great. He hasn't had a great year. I think a very, you know, other than Whittingham and and, and Mario, you know, probably right up there for coach of the year. Do, do you think he will get looks for other jobs? I guess that's my question to both of you. I think he should certainly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he will, but like, I I feel like what I'm looking for in a coach is who provides me like some sort of strategic advantage, whether it's recruiting program building, like in-game coaching, and can they put the other people around them to kind of fill what they don't do? You know, like Dabo is a program builder. And so he's got to have good coordinators. You know, I think Mario is kind of a recruiter and program builder. And so he, he really needs strong coordinators. It's probably questionable whether that's there. Right. And so, yeah. but I see Jonathan Smith is a great game coach. And so it's like, if, if, if you can get him at a place that has money, to get some recruiters around him. I think he's a great hire, frankly, but it should, and to your point, you're like, you know, yes, Cody, like, do you like it? You know, the one thing I'll say is I would much rather lose with Jack Coletto getting stopped a yard short and you then giving up, you know, a 40, I guess, or sorry, it would be a 54 yard touchdown than punting it 35 yards down there and watching ASU have all the momentum and slowly moving the ball 85 yards down the field to tie the game so yeah, I, mean, I don't know just, yeah i mean it's it's situational if you have if you know if you're your university of georgia and you have a historically good defense sure punt the ball mm-hmm. uh but i i in general you know uh i like playing to win instead of playing not to lose you know mm-hmm. i think that that's at least maybe that's just being that's an, um, like being emotional as a fan as opposed to being strategic but it's just it's just more fun to root for a team that's that's playing to win now we got to move on. But I, Tim made one really good point a couple of weeks ago where he's like, oh, okay, as an Oregon fan, he's like, what do you want Washington to do? And I'm like, okay, if you're ASU right there and it's fourth and two, do you want the Beavers to go for it or do you want them to punt it? You want them to punt it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And you like, you like a coach that's, that believes in his guys mm-hmm. and trusts them to get the yards. So with that, the, I guess, I, I mean, I would have to say the third most important game this week or the other really possible conference title implications. Surprisingly, Washington State at Arizona, which Cody said was two of the worst teams in the Pac-12 last week, if I remember correctly. That is, once again, <laughs> uh, you're assigning horrible things you said to me and, and or placing blame on me for things that you have uh public uh recorded and broadcast publicly ah my bad but it was a (laughs) friday night game um you know and and the oregon state asu game was the night game we're not really getting craziness pac 12 after dark are we i mean this game the cougs 44 18 uh the only craziness was meteorological uh rain snow mist uh it certainly was not the the outcome was not in doubt for very long I would say that um, Max Borgie went off our guy, one of our, one of our 
Uh, <laughs> we, we've been rooting for him all year and decrying his lack of touches. 16 carries for 139 yards and two touchdowns. I believe that's an all-time career high of yardage for him. Um, so good for him in one of his last games um, in Pullman. Uh, well, it would be his last game in Pullman, right? Yep. Senior night. Senior night, yep. Um, Travell Harris and Calvin Jackson Jr. both had 90-plus yards receiving and two touchdowns each. So, you know, they're two big guys in the receiving core. were both really productive. Um, so, I mean, wasn't statistically a wildly uneven game, but WSU had a pick and blocked two punts. And I'll save it for another category, but both blocks were by the same person, son of a former Husky. Well... And I'll interject real quick here. It is Oregon and Washington State fans' favorite Husky of all time. The son <laughs> of their favorite Husky of all time. But we'll save that for later as well. Uh, Nate, uh, anything? I mean, does uh, Delora went 13 to 22, 259 yards, four touchdowns. Do you think he is the um, going to be first team all pack 12 quarterback? By process of elimination, I think that's likely. <laughs> I, I mean, not to take anything away from him, but yeah, I just, you know, At this USC, point, USC's played two guys and nobody else is good, you know? So the only, the only, other, I was, I was looking at the same question, Tim. Yeah. I think the only other alternative, and we'll get to it in a second, maybe is DTR. DTR, but he's missed a game and had some clunkers too. Agreed. I'm not saying he should win it, but I think when you look at his like total yardage, his productivity on the ground, his touchdown, his passing touchdowns thrown. Um, he's the only guy even in the neighborhood. Uh, Delora has more touchdowns. He's like, I think it's like 23 to 19, but uh, DTR, despite our comments about the DTR experience and despite this past weekend against SC has thrown far, you know, fewer picks than, than Delora has. So, And I guess the big thing, right, is if, if Washington State wins and Oregon State wins, Washington State is in the conference title game. We'll talk about mm -hmm. more of that later, but the scenarios of that. But I, I, yeah, would I think I think you look at, you know, they're going to be second or third in the division. Yeah. I guess you could UCLA is probably going to be third in, in the South. Yeah. Um, so I guess they're in about the same spot. But, you know, WSU is playing, you know, with a chance to get into mm -hmm. the, the championship this weekend and the, the Bruins are not. So. Yeah. I, I think you'd probably be the give the edge to him and, and he didn't miss a well, he didn't start the season, but he also you know didn't miss a game in conference play. Yeah. This is kind of a quick aside on this game, but I'll I'll say real quick since we were talking about the last game with uh regard to Jonathan Smith. I like that Jed Fish at least tried to give his team a chance in this game. You know, he came out, he he went for it on fourth and one at midfield at WC forty five. I think he knew that they were gonna need some plays they were going to need to catch some breaks to have a chance and so he went ahead and gave you know they went for a field 50-yard field goal on the next drive I like that I think he showed you know he tried to give them a chance to do something early obviously it didn't pay off and they lost by you know 26 points but had he just went ahead and punted the ball okay they would have lost by 18 like yeah. <laughs> congratulations I like that he at least gave him a chance to try and make something happen yeah the yeah go ahead Tim Oh, sorry. They'll, they'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, they're one in 10. They're probably going to be one in 11. Uh, they're going to need a new D coordinator, though, because uh, Don Brown, their D coordinator, is expected to be named. You know, there's a guy who specializes in secondary play, and after watching the Cougs roast the Arizona secondary, I'm thinking maybe 
maybe Jimmy Lake could get his get his uh, <laughs> golf bag down there to the desert pronto and start working with the secondary. What do you think? Hey, not a, not a bad gig if you can get it. Uh, you know, for Arizona, they, they just had a ton of drives that went nowhere. Uh, I think seven, you know, more than half their drives, you know, they got, even if they got a first down, you know, the next three plays, they, you know, went nowhere. And so they had, they had more than half their drives went for 10 yards or less. So three and outs or four and outs type type of situations. So it's just a frustrating game for them offensively. Uh, Michael Wiley, I think has been a guy that's kind of emerged as their big play threat. He's got, he's, he might have the best speed out of their skill guys wide receiver core he had eight catches for 87 yards so he was kind of the only guy who was consistently productive on the night but yeah uh you know arizona's not to say they're not great is maybe putting it kindly uh but they fight and their coach is is i think i i believe he's building something i i think that this will be a foundational year and they just they need to keep recruiting and hit the portal and i think they can be better next year and and start continuing to progress yeah no very much so um a game you teased ucla and usc the most visually stunning game of the weekend just based on the uniforms yep a lot of gold and red and blue um you know another abysmal low for usc in the coliseum most points ever given up to ucla uh dtr dtr 33 final yep uh in in the coliseum uh dorian thompson robinson started the game over two with two interceptions after that he was 16 for 20 for 349 yards four passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns um he just absolutely went off uh so i mean awful start kudos to him for bouncing back or you know flushing it or whatever you call it but Maybe they had a sports psychologist on the sideline for him because he just he moved right on. Um, uh, kind of, you know, lost in the you know flurry of passing touchdowns of just this absolutely hapless USC defense. Uh, UCL also rushed for two sixty. Charbonnet had a huge game. Um, they averaged more than six per carry. Um, you know, and Kaz Allen and Kyle Phillips, the speedsters for UCLA, were just running free in the secondary. So, um, you know, the Bruins defense wasn't dominant, but they made some big plays. Uh, lots of, uh, had, you know, 10 TFLs. Signature win for DTR. You know, he had uh, his first rushing touchdown. He wandered back to the, you know, the padding and the stands and found a fan with a UCLA hat and signed it for him. Got a 15-yarder, but uh, it was worth yeah. it, in my opinion. And then, a, a, you know, I hate seeing it because I'm not – I'm obviously an SC fan, but uh, a pretty posterizing hurdle of Isaac Taylor Stewart uh, on, a, on his second touchdown run. So just, you know, that's going to be playing in his, in his highlight reel in his, in his mind the rest of his life that, that day in the Coliseum, I think. Um, been on a bit of a monologue. You know, I'll just uh, really quickly say, like, you know, late third quarter, SC went 72 yards in two plays. It's 35-26. They go for two. Theoretically, they could have made it a one-score game. They failed on the two-point conversion. Um, ensuing kickoff, Kaz Allen runs it back for a 100-yard touchdown. And, just you know, now it's a 15-point game. So, 
or a 16 point game, excuse me. Um, so just, you know, like a lot of games, this, you know, they, they were in it for a while, but that just the blew the lid off Jackson dart. Uh, I think you can still see the spark that's there and the talent that's there. He doesn't look physically a hundred percent and he doesn't look comfortable out there. Um, do, do you think or, Jack or, Del Rio, or well, or, or well coached, but. do you think Jack Del Rio will have a good offensive coordinator on staff to uh, next year to develop him? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, maybe we can get a uh, Sheen Waldron uh, might be available. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but you know, I, I still have, you know, I, I still like the talent. I think he still has tremendous upside, but he needs, he needs a quarterback's coach. That's not Graham Harrell in his ear uh, for the next couple of years to, to really improve his game. Uh, I'll stop talking guys, but ask you for your thoughts. I just wanted to mention, you know, Vi Malapai has, you know, a couple of guys transferred in and kind of took his place at the top of the running back depth chart. Uh, for him as a senior, one of his last games in the Coliseum, he got had three touchdowns, so a nice game for him. And Gary Bryant Jr. has been this like speedster wide receiver that people have been waiting to finally be that USC wide receiver who could break it over the top, and he had kind of a breakout game. Uh, nine catches for 161 in the touchdown. So uh, last thing I'll say, uh, I've been an SC fan for 20 years. Um, this is definitely the worst usc team i've ever had to root for and not only that it might be both the worst offense and the worst defense i mean it's not like they're just bad in one place they're bad everywhere um i was listening to bruce feldman because he covered the game as a sideline reporter and he was in the mckay center this past week and he just was you know he's sitting in the team room or a meeting room watching guys walk past and he's like just the eye test this does not look like these are just not the bodies that used to play at USC. And so he was just saying, doesn't matter who they get. This is not a quick flip. So um, this has been a long time coming, but it's brutal to watch. Sorry. I've been talking a long time, guys. What do you guys, what do you guys, what are your thoughts? I'll just say real quick, you know, at one point in the second quarter, UCLA had seven points and they ended with 62. And yeah. just, you think about like the level of kind of laying down that requires on defense, <laughs> you know, and, and what I think of just like the, the no help from the offense. Cause it just like that style of offense. If you don't get first downs, it's like your D's just out there nonstop. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing for me at USC is it would just, it would, it would be good to know like what all happened that clay kind of came back. Was it just numbers and buyouts? Cause it's like clay's gone, but, the other what 11 coaches I mean, you get 12 on staff is that right i think that you get 11 11 i'm sorry assistants yeah 11 assistants and then the head coach so yeah with clay gone the other 11 guys are still there right and so and like this is just a really poorly coached team uh yeah. like i don't know defensive just... coordinator and offensive coordinator they're not new they were mm-hmm. both there last year um so it's not like wrong guys for the system or guys learning a new system there's no excuses so i think you need someone that's tough to come in i think a rondo would be a great fit someone just changes the culture at least makes them play hard yeah get hard i think a guy with the nickname of fence post is sounds like a good option yeah um that's that's what you know when i talked about the guys i wanted that's that's really what i wanted is just kind of that not a drill sergeant but just 
discipline, toughness, physicality. Who's going to bring those things and coach those things? So, uh, not to get you going on another monologue, but is there some belief that I, I know uh, I was talking with somebody about the SC job and they were saying, I mean, and you've mentioned the 50, what were they, the 58th recruiting class recently? Was it last year or the year before? The 2019 class. 2019 class. They only had maybe 13, 15 scholarships, but, you know, our, uh, our they, players, all, they, were, they were signing a bunch of three-star offensive linemen, basically. Were, were players getting bumped up because they were getting an SC offer? I mean, is that kind of the talent disparity, or is it has it been the lack of development? Because, I mean, USC is not putting guys in the NFL really either. No, I mean, it's it's development. It You know, I, that one class is – is I mean, other other than that class, USC has had top twelve classes like the other three of the last four years, and you know, you know, the athletic put out that report earlier this year where they said, well, you know, that's that's assistant coaches calling the recruiting service and saying, hey, I need you to bump this guy up on your rankings. I, okay, maybe a little bit, but like, I don't. I, to me, that sounds more. That's a little bit of a tin hat uh, theory or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I think it's recruiting misses. I don't think you necessarily call it like manipulating the recruiting system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think it's a failure to, they have really struggled to recruit elite offensive linemen on the West coast in the last three years. So they've gotten the skill guys, they've gotten the quarterbacks really good job, def- like recruiting defensive backs, but defensive line has been so, so and offensive line has been really poor. And so, you you know, you your skill guys can't play if there if there's no space for them to play in in the sandbox. So, yeah. um, we should talk about UCLA and the man in charge. Uh, I think it it seems like something like a fate accompli that this might have you know sealed uh, a contract renewal for Chip. That seems to be where the wind's blowing. I'm not saying I. I know that for sure. To quote Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. They got to get past Cal this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we a couple recurring entrants on the, the hot seat rankings this year kind of facing off, and both of them are hoping to kind of, you know, Wilcox has another game against SC as well. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Is he is he safe? And this is a pretty, it's a pretty huge win against a really bad SC team, but, you know, it's – I mean, they put up 62 points on SC. Like, at the same time, you know, we were talking earlier this week or texting. You know, US, UCLA is going to lose a bunch of guys, including their quarterback. Next year is not going to be an easy rebuild. So, real quick before uh, Nate uh, answers your question, I was just thinking about that, though. Aren't any, can't any senior come back next year? Because didn't last year not technically count? So, are they really going to lose? A ton of guys. I mean, I know some guys will be done. Some guys might think they have a pro career, but they could return some of these guys, right? I honestly have no idea how that works right now. <laughs> and who's what you I was thinking that when you guys said Max Borgie was a senior, he's technically only played four years. He he could conceivably come back next. So year, Britain right? Covey's coming back for uh no no, I think this is Britain Covey's additional <laughs> year. I know just <laughs> This was his one extra <laughs> on top of his other four extras. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to answer that question You know, with, with Chip. I think part of this, and this is kind of moving into a different category now, but obviously this, you know, <laughs> 
Mel Tucker uh, re-ups for, you know, about 4.7 billion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in Bitcoin. But, for, yeah. yeah, Franklin is going to get, you know, baseline 75 million, probably closer to what, 83 to 88 million, just getting his nine wins a year. So I, I just wonder if UCLA is doing that thing where you, you, you kind of look at who you have in the house, you look at the, the cost of starting over, like literally and figuratively, you know, like, cause it could go back before it goes forward. And then you say, who, who can we get? competing against LSU, USC, Florida, uh, you know, what other jobs are open right now? La Tech. You know, Virginia Tech. Washington. Like, yeah. yeah, UW. You know, I was thinking out of conference. I wasn't oh, admitting yeah, UW. I'm sorry. sorry, Tim. Uh, yeah. Texas <laughs> TCU. Yeah, I mean, so you look at UCLA and you're like, well, you know, if all these people are re-upping where they're at <laughs> and there's three openings that are definitely better than ours and three others that will compete with at the very least – and here's what the open market is saying it's going to cost yes. to yes. go, you know, to go dip, not including the buyout, you know, on chip and potentially a buyout on whoever you're going to get. Seriously. I mean, Matt Campbell had an underwhelming year and he's probably what, like worth 65 million right now. Like, do you mean future Husky coach, Matt Campbell? Well, I, I'm just wondering, <laughs> like it's, kind of it's kind of crazy right i think most people in iowa state would tell you that they underperformed and, oh i mean they were they entered the season ranked uh seventh and they're six and five so yeah, yeah i think that so, would be the case they barely beat northern iowa just okay, happens, okay. Happens to the best of us i'm not gonna let you attack my potential uh favorite coach <laughs> he's no, got I'm, a, I'm, I'm he's not, got a toothy grin and a heart of gold yeah. i'm not down on him i'm just no, saying i know, I know what you mean person coming off and under that's with the market so i think a lot of teams are going to look and say well, maybe our coach ain't so bad yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> you win a fiesta bowl and you return a quarterback you shouldn't be going that far backwards right and and that's the guy that these teams are desperate for yeah yeah <laughs> or or, or a guy who took over a winning Baylor program and won two games last year. <laughs> well, and you think about like, um, you know, how did UCLA get here? Well, they got here by, you know, hastily dumping Jim Mora to go get Chip Kelly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, are mm -hmm. we going to, are we going to do this dance again? You know? Mm -hmm. And what was one of the stats? Was it Cody? You sent, sent along that thing about, Oh, he's, he's his, career record is i think 17 and 25 and two of those 17 wins were against teams with winning records jeez so you know this is not anywhere i mean it's, it's light years away from you know what they expected but it, it's it's far from what they expected it's light years away from what he did at oregon and what they thought they were paying for really his only saving grace is that the guy across town was a bigger disaster <laughs> You don't know. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. helped yeah. him kind of hang on, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's Bugs Bunny, and he was going up against Elmer Fudd. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, this objectively, this probably is his best season, right? And so, right. Mm -hmm. do you? I'm not saying that that means he should be retained, but at the same time, you know, is there a case to be made for? Well, they're on the right trajectory. I don't know. Maybe well, not. What are their finances, right? I mean, that's the biggest my, thing. My guess is he's gonna he's gonna get one of those. This is my short guess. We gotta move on. He's gonna get one of those like fake extensions where it says like, you know, three years, 
16 million dollars but the buyout next december is like two and a half million dollars you know so yeah that's my guess i mean it's we're almost to december right and earlier signing days there like having this hanging over him is you know this this killed this is what killed that recruiting class that we were just talking about for clay was he had Mm -hmm this you know the contract situation hanging over him and he couldn't tell guys hey i'm locked in for three more years four more years it's, it's a big deal recruiting wise so yeah no doubt no doubt all right all right let's well, roll well, yeah, next we'll, we'll plow through these last two games because they were terrible uh washington <laughs> falls out of bowl contention losing to colorado at folsom field like some of us predicted uh 20 to 17 uh just an awful i mean Dylan Morris threw 52 times. Washington outgained Colorado uh, by 240 yards. And the two teams combined to run the ball 55 times for 109 yards, less than two <laughs> yards a carry. Oh, <laughs> well, to be fair, a couple of those carries were more like, uh, you know, quarterback. Flub, flub, yeah. flub snapped, followed by alignment kicking the ball backwards 12 yards and then someone else picking it up and run it the other way yeah yes so um i think those are those count as team rushing yards those don't go against yes. individuals but stats yeah. but just just awful i mean they uh, lost 20 to 17 and they gifted colorado 10 points the the you know dylan morris was looking it looked like he was maybe looking to his left and so i don't know if the the center heard the snap count wrong or if he snapped it early or dylan morris was kind of doing the thing where he's trying to look ahead before make you know taking care of the fundamental play but whatever happened the snap was dropped and then you know caught you know picked up by uh lamb right and and run back jack lamb runs it back 88 yards for a touchdown um, and then later on, um, this, just a whole, you know, their Huskies are backed up at what, like their 10 yard line and just a really bad, like, look like the center just like snapped the ball against his own butt and the ball hit the ground and, you know, Colorado recovers, doesn't do anything with it because like you said, they can't move the ball, but they got a free field goal. So 10 free points in a three point loss is just, I mean, brutally once again you know the huskies just finding new and creative ways to lose well in brutal fashion four turnovers including two picks from uh dylan morris in what may be his last start as a husky and then also uh he the team lost those were two team fumbles credited to the team (laughs) And, and not only that not only did they make plays to destroy their chances of, you know, dominating a mediocre opponent. But um, once again, uh, still had a chance to win it, had the ball (laughs) with, you know, two minutes left and a chance to just either get a tie or the win with a touchdown drive and just absolute flame out of a drive where, you know, as you would expect, given how they performed offensively all game, but man, it's just like, I don't know. It's just when you, when you're down to that two minute drill and you, it's, you know, every, you can go for it on fourth down. Like it should be easier to get those first downs. You have a full extra chance every time. Right. And they just uh, immediate 
three and out. Carson Wells comes completely unblocked off the edge on the last play and blows it up. And Dylan Morris can't even, I mean, he threw it, he threw it to no one in the middle of the field. He just got blown up in a, sec, a step and a half. So Dylan Morris is just such an enigma. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like interception, like, like butt fumble, like interception. And then all of a sudden he comes out on the next drive and he goes like four or five, including a 50 yard touchdown. He's <laughs> just like, Whoa, that was like nice. I and believe then... he leads, he leads the conference in passing yards. <laughs> Is that right? So, and then in so attempts then, as well, but to your yeah. point, then, then he gets the ball back and you're like, okay, well now he's, he's probably hot. He just had a great drive. And then he just like throws four straight batting completions and, the, and it's, it's just, the game's over. And it's like, wow. What just like, how, like, does he swing between like competent and totally incompetent, not just like some gray area of, you know, like, yeah. And I don't, I don't buy that. I think he has pretty good receivers. Like I think McMillan. Yeah. Uh, they're not bad. And poke and, you know, uh, I mean, he's got a couple, you know, yeah. Bynum. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think they have a pretty good wide receiver core. Uh, you know, I think Otten might've missed this game. I didn't see him at all out there. Um, or if he was out there, he didn't play a ton. Uh, the Culp, the backup, had a really nice game. At tight. I mean, I think he's got weapons. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have the run game, but or um, maybe you know, he's been my, he's been my goat of the week in the past. I I I had him penciled in there, and I I wrote some other uh, nominees in instead. But this was a brutal game for him once again for the whole Husky offense. This is one of those weeks you walk, you walk off onto the bus and you're like, how did we lose? <laughs> like, how like, did they I mean, end this game with more points than we did? Like, uh, it's Tim just mentioned, not possible. Tim, Tim mentioned it. I mean, <laughs> 428 to 183 was the yardage, and the Huskies lost this game. It's inc- I mean, four turnovers is the simple answer, but it took more than that, though. It, it's like it, a turnover doesn't settle it when you have the ball on the four yard line and it ends up in a 95 yard touchdown for the other team. Like that's, that's, that's a 14 point turnover. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was first and goal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's not even like fourth, like first and goal from the four is like what? 90% touchdown. It's a, that's a 14 point turnover. It's huge. Yeah. Massive. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Terrible. Well, let's go to the game that, well, I, Cal still possibly still fighting for bowl eligibility. Beating Stanford in the big game, 41 to 11. Uh, I'll be honest, did not watch this. So, um, yeah, we don't have to spend a ton of time. Stanford, at this point, is this other than Arizona, is the worst team in the conference. I mean, they've descended that low. I, if Stanford played Arizona right now, I honestly don't know. Arizona might win. They oh, least, I'm sure that they would. Sure. They at least they have some fight and some identity. Stanford's pathetic. Tanner McKeven played in this game in zero fight. The rushing total on this one was 352 to 43. Um, and that was Christopher, 26 uh, carries for 43 yards. Yes. Uh, Cal had two different guys run for – had a 75-yard run, a 76-yard run, and they had a, recept- uh, a catch for 84 yards. So there's like – Huge plays, huge busts for the Stanford defense. A Cal record, eighty-four yard touchdown. Can I just quickly tell our listeners? I think it was a. Uh, I think it was a big game record. I don't think it was a. Cal oh, big record. game. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Let me just quickly tell our listeners how this game started by the drive chart. <laughs> <laughs> Stanford received the ball. Interception. 
Cal got it. One play fumble. <laughs> Stanford got it back. Turnover on downs after 20 yards. Cal got it back. Interception. <laughs> Stanford gets it back. Turnover on downs. <laughs> so just literally after the first quarter, zero, you know, basically zero, zero, <laughs> no puns. Yeah. Yeah. Keystone cops out there for sure. Uh, like, like Tim mentioned, uh, the Bears are four and six. They still have both LA schools to play. So taking on Chip this week and then uh, would have USC the following week. So Cal can get there. I mean, we've talked about Wilcox and his hot seat and what are Cal's real expectations. Is he safe? I mean, they've they've shown real improvement, I think, but they're still four and six, right? I mean, I think he is. Ask- I think he has the I think he has the COVID excuse. If he wants back for another year, I think you know, place in a place like Berkeley, they're still coming out of the pandemic, as we all are, I know, but <laughs> truly in, in Berkeley. So I mean, it's just like I, I think if he wants one more one year, he'll 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 get it just because the situation on there. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Not to step on what I'm gonna ask you both the last thing uh, at the end of this podcast. It's a surprise from me to you guys, but uh Wilcox, I mean, he might be the University of Washington head coach. There's a lot of rumors, so he might. I, I look, I, I have lots of bad takes. I'm frequently wrong, but I feel like that is an insane outcome. I mean, I, absolutely insane. I know we all think that, and only one of us likes the Huskies. What if we get Jonathan Smith as the head coach and Wilcox as his DC? Will you accept that, Tim? <laughs> um. I'm not saying that's realistic. No, no, no. Uh, I've seen both of them. They can go. No, they're they're fine. But um, yeah, so sorry. Well, let's get to some awards for the week. I will say really quick on Cal. Sorry. Just, you know, uh, the the Arizona loss has a huge asterisk on it, right? You know, they chose to go play that game versus forfeit it, but uh, you know, you look at their their preseason or their not the preseason, but their non-conference, you know, five point loss to a pretty solid Wolf Pack, Nevada Wolf Pack team, and a two point loss to TCU on the road. Uh, you know, almost doesn't cut it. But then you look at um in the division, loss to the Huskies, loss to the Cougs, loss to the Ducks, and it's like it uh you know, they, they upset the bees, but it's like, do you realistically expect Wilcox to win this division? Not, I'm not even saying win the conference or get to the playoff. I don't, I don't think you can expect Cal to win their division, like ever. They're so I, don't, so I just don't understand how that can be an acceptable standard, even if, even if, even at Cal, which, which obviously has, you know, doesn't have a huge record of success historically. And I mean, are you guys, are we, are we saying that it's just that it's gotten that much harder? Because you have to remember that Jeff Tedford from 2002 to 2012, was it, had success there. Not, I mean, it was tailing off by the end. And I, I do think it's gotten harder, but Will they Cox were a top 10 only, team. Yeah. He's yeah. only slightly outperforming Sonny Dykes, who would like literally is basically driven out of town with fire behind him. Right. You know, and it's like, well, and, and with that, I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, what was it? 05, 2004, 2005. Kyle should have gone to the Rose Bowl. Right. And it was 
Mac Brown crying about Texas. They got jobbed, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, who, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, no. let's do some awards. Okay, Offensive Player of the Week, who do you guys have? Look, I know that uh, – I know he threw two picks, but I actually had DTR. Uh, accounted for six touchdowns, four throwing, two running. Um, you know, just mentioned – I, I, I think you could easily make a case for other guys. You'd say, well, USC might have the second or third worst defense in the conference. So doesn't, doesn't count. Wasn't a big game, but still, you know, uh, on a big stage uh, on national broadcast and he, he just went off. So he's, he's my pick. You know, we've given it, I've given it to this guy a lot. It's weird for a duck, but I keep coming back to – he didn't have any touchdowns, but I, I kind of think that's overrated sometimes. I keep coming back to B.J. Baylor, you know, in, yeah. in a game that was really kind of fought in the trenches that was actually close between two good Pac-12 teams and 7-3, and 6-4 coming in. The Beavers had something to play for. B.J. Baylor gave him 150 yards on 20 carries at 7.5 per, a bunch of first downs. He, he kind of carried the luggage to get them this win they had had. I'm going yeah, and it Baylor. wasn't like 150 yards with a 60 yarder. No, it was he was grinding it out. Yeah, at it was, eight, eight, nine, ten yards. That's Just right. Very yes. productive. When his team scores one touchdown during the week, he comes out and says, "I think touchdowns are overrated." Anyways. That was <laughs> that was that was Jack that was Jack Coletto breaking breaking off the big runs for the beast. No, but. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit, not because he. Didn't have a good offensive game. Uh, Kaz Allen, three catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns. But then you tack on that uh, kick return touchdown. Touched the ball seven times, 278 yards. Woo. That's nice game. I think I think you could also throw in Borgie here uh, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. less, a less relevant game against a worse yeah. opponent, but uh, big night for him as well. Defensive player of the week. go Nate you go I actually didn't know who to give it to here I mean it feels because there wasn't you know Utah's defense is is what sticks out to you but there wasn't really one they all got a piece yeah I mean it was it wasn't like the Devin the Devin Lloyd show um you go Tim yeah I I you know there are a lot of games I mean there was uh Lamagan Hearns the third on Cal. Okay, they're playing playing Stanford. Three tackles, a pick, and four pass defense. That's that's insane amount of pass defense. Probably Carson Wells, Colorado. Seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, two pass defense, two quarterback hurries. I mean, that guy was. And one of those one of those hurries was the game ending play where he came free and and essentially forced Dylan Morris to throw it a nothing pass. I he he's who I had. I had Carson Wells. I sorry, I did look up the name. That's why I put you guys on because I didn't write it down. Yeah. I I ultimately went with Quentin Lake from UCLA. Oh, yeah. Cody mm-hmm. made the point that in a game where both teams were kind of able to move it up and down the field, it was the fact that UCLA's defense made a couple plays that made the difference. He had seven tackles, two tackles for loss, an interception when the game was still relevant. So ultimately I gave it to Quentin Lake, who made a couple of the few plays, the few defensive plays in that game to, to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> um special teams player of the week we kind of alluded to it but i know cody and i are i think it's Britton covey I, oh. I think 
situationally, I mean, uh, five seconds with with the clock expiring, you know, tiptoeing down the sideline and basically ended the game uh, in the first half. Uh, You know, and it's a – and he had – those two punt returns were for a total of 90 yards, including the the big one. He also had two kickoff returns for 59 more yards. So he was productive every time he touched the ball on special teams. You know what? I agree. I think it's Britton Covey. We mentioned that there was the two blocked punts by by the Cougars, but one of them still went forward for a semi-productive punt, right? And (laughs) so – I'm giving a big asterisk there, you know, and the team you're going to block anyways. Britton Covey made this. Block punt and a tipped punt, maybe? Yeah, tipped punt. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. You know, you guys accused me of hating Washington State, and I'm going to give an award to Joey Hobart. Two punt blocks. Come on. I don't even care if the ball went 20 yards down the field. That's that's impressive. Was Billy Joe there hooting and hollering? Oh, yeah. He had his Camaro, and he was ready to roll. (laughs) Goat of the week. Are we doing not doing coach of the week? Well, oh yeah, sorry, coach of the week. Blip. I had I, I had them flipped. I ordered ordered wrong on my sheet. I apologize. Coach of the week. How dare you? Who you got, Tim? Uh, I'm gonna go with Wazoo's coach. I mean, that is a. I Dick thought Kurt. that was a trap game of all trap games. Friday night, Arizona coming in. I know Cougar fans. They were uh, probably sweating it because. They've seen this movie before, and they came out and dominated. Bruce Feldman thinks that Dickert's going to get this job. Yeah. He thinks that he's won a lot of confidence. I mean, uh, Pat Chun certainly knows he can count on him to go get his shots on time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's 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 earned he's earned some trust to uh, you know take care of of the admin tasks that are involved in being the head coach. He also um, might come a little cheaper. Pat might have some legal expenses on his hands soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pat will be paying a portion of Rolovich's salary. I'm pretty pretty confident. But 18 months ago, you were the D coordinator at Wyoming. You'd be thankful for what you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's probably still brown bagging it. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I I've I've said my piece on this. I I'm not, I'm not sure. I love that. Uh, it seems a, a little too easy. He seems like the easy hire. Um, I think Chun's a pretty savvy guy. I don't think he would do it unless he really felt it was the right decision. But so he, he's also he's also been through enough drama with um he might be looking for a yes man for the next couple of years. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Coach of the week for me, I gotta give it to Whittingham. I mean, it's yeah. like pulling this off. I mean, it was literally, I mean, it was yeah, it, it was just outscaling resounding. Yeah, he just had his guy. We made the point earlier. There was one contribution by a four-star player he recruited. I mean, just patchwork by way of talent acquisition, but just incredible, incredible yeah. kind of roster for what he needs to do. So yeah, he takes a vacate of Melbourne every year and finds a punter. And yeah, I just, guess uh, <laughs> it's pronounced uh, It's pronounced Melbin. Sorry, oh, me, Tim. We can't somehow. All- we can all take cruises with Australian women. Somehow um, petition the, the NCAA. Women, I met the Australian women in New Orleans. Thank you very much. Hey. <laughs> Somehow uh, petitions the NCAA for one more year for Britain Covey every year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I I went on this in the same vein, Nate. I wrote down Sharif Shah. He's the Utah cornerbacks coach and special teams coordinator. 
I just think the special teams were elite for Utah this week, not just in, uh, as I mentioned, like punt return, kick return, other aspects. Um, just going to go on a tangent here. Listen to this guy. So he he was a all-conference player for Utah back in the 90s. Uh, busted his neck uh, his senior year, kind of essentially ended his career. He was a commercial litigator and medical malpractice attorney for 12 years. And then he, at some point along the way, started moonlighting uh, for local radio. Uh, then he kind of like, at some point, maybe transitioned to full-time ESPN radio and TV in Salt Lake City area. Uh, you know, and so like 17, 18 years after his playing career ended, somehow turned that into a role on Whittingham's staff and became a cornerbacks coach. I mean, he obviously had a, a history as a player, but had been only like, can you imagine a, a cut, like a color commentator, sideline reporter coming, like all of a sudden he's on your staff. Um, so kind of a interesting story, but he's, he's been there for 10 years now. And I mean, their secondary always plays well. So it's good. appreciate you doing your research. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Jot down that name. Thank you. Yes. Um, go, go to the week, Tim. Going places. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys will argue with me, but uh, the biggest game of the season, well, of the conference season, and you don't just lose, you get mollywopped. Is that a right term? Is that – I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mario Chris. Sounds – Really? Wow. Okay. All right. And that's not not me hating Oregon. You go, Cody. I just have the Husky offense. I mean, (laughs) fair. You know, just the the giving away of of 10 points to to Colorado to loot, to throw this game away. Um, And otherwise, totally winnable game. Just abysmal. My go to the weeks going a little. Insider knowledge here is Micah Pittman. <laughs> for I mean, not that he would have made the difference necessarily, but when you know when you quit the team on a Monday or a Tuesday, so you can get the transfer portal early. Uh, I mean, he was, and and then we find out that at the time he knew that Johnny Johnson the third and Jalen Red were both out for the season in a game that we had to. We I'm sorry that Oregon had to throw the ball as much as they ever had to just come on, bro. Like you got to do your thing, but yeah, that's, that's, that's go to the week status right there. So NFL player of the week. Now I will go last and I have a legit, I have a legit, I know you guys don't think I'm legit sometimes, but I would like to know, do you guys have one? I have, I have multiple players. I wrote down. I wrote down like eight names. Yeah, I, I do have a winner. Um, it, he's been on our list many times before, uh, but I think, I think Justin Herbert with 382 passing yards and 90 rushing yards, three touchdowns, um, just a a super productive day in the win. Um, so he, he's, he was at the top of my list, but there's a lot of, there was a lot of PAC 12 guys on offense and defense who were really productive this week. Nate, I had that. I was going to spice it up with the Pac-12 connection for the Chargers. 
it was it was Herbert to Keenan Allen all all day long. I I've so. I've had Keenan Allen as like my fifth or sixth guy, but it's sort of, it's he's kind of in a hard position to win this award because he's always catching balls from Herbert, right? So um, I've 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 jotted his name down at least four weeks, but he's never kind of made it to the top of the list for that reason. I was actually because we said Herbert so many times, going to try and go away from, but. I think throwing the game-winning pass with what was like a minute and a half, two minutes left, that's, that's a nice way to, to win the award. So, sorry, Tim, what do you got? Oh, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, now, I, I'm going to give a shout-out to Tyler Huntley winning his first start on the road mm-hmm. against, the, uh, against the Bears. Um, but here's one for you. Terrence Mitchell, Nate, an Oregon defensive back. Correct that's me That's right. Wrong. No, eight, that's correct. Eight tackles and interception at pass defense in an upset over for the, the Texans, the one-win Texans beating the, the Titans, the first-place Titans. But, yeah, so that's probably my player of the week. But Husky of the week, I'm glad you guys asked. Miles Gaskin, Ugh. 89 rushing yards and one receiving touchdown. Thank you. Thank you. Let's hear you, Cody, Cody, quickly rattle off the whole list you had because I want to hear all the Pac-12 players making noise. Uh. You know, last week's winner, Aaron Rodgers, blew up again. He had uh, 385 passing yards, four touchdowns. Jayon Brown, for UC- former UCLA uh, linebacker, had 14 tackles for the Titans. Zach Ertz, former Stanford Cardinal, eight mm-hmm. catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns for the Cardinals in their destruction of the Don't Seahawks. Remember. Don't remember that. Uh, Miles Jacks. Miles Jack, uh, Sidney Jones, Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith is still in the league, Tim. Yeah. He's had like 12 years in the he, NFL. He was legitimately – he was interviewed by Jim Rome yesterday or today. Today. He was interviewed by Rome today. So I apologize for mentioning another uh, member of uh, – for, another former Husky, but Sidney Jones had a good game as well. Oh, Just yeah. to toss it in there, also former dog Javon Holland. Yeah. Seven tackles, pass defended, fumble recovery. Granted, it was against <laughs> Jacksonville, but Brandon Ayuk. Seven catches, 85 yards, touchdown. So, yeah, good. Nice stuff. Good. Okay. So, let's rapid fire through these games, gentlemen. Let's look ahead. And then I have one question. Well, it's, it's a series of questions, but it will also be – we'll just rapid fire the rest of this. We are, we are rolling today. We've, we've had good discussion. Okay. Friday, Colorado-Utah, the made-up rivalry because they both joined the conference at the same time. Four and seven, Colorado at eight and three, Utah. Utah, 23 and a half point favorites. Who do you guys have? Yeah, I mean, I know it's Utah, so maybe you shouldn't talk about it as an arranged marriage, but um, <laughs> they are uh, they are kind of, you know, right, right, you know, contr- almost like forced to be rivals, but uh, Utah's going to destroy Colorado. You know, I'm going to, Utah's going to win the game. But I actually, I think that this is a classic letdown week. I think Utah sure. has nothing to play with. In fact, I think that they would really like to go into that Pac-12 championship game. I bet they're assuming it's going to be Oregon. I don't know if they're going to be right, but I mean, I, and they're they're expecting payback. I think they'd like to be healthy. I could see Utah only winning this game by more like thirteen or fourteen and kind of coasting into the Pac-12 championship. I, I too will take Utah, but I, I'm with you. I mean, even if Utah wins 42-21. They still they don't cover, but they win, right? Colorado covers, so yeah, I see something like that. The game that we will all be paying attention to, the Apple Cup, six and five Wazoo at four and seven Washington. 
Wazoo one point favorites at the greatest setting in college football. I hate that. I actually hate that marketing. Um, but yes, who you guys have? Uh, Cougs, no doubt. I mean, I, I understand that clearly I should have doubt. It's the one and a half point spread. Yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go, Nate. You go, Nate. I think that this is one of those strange ones where the Huskies just kind of have their number. And that, 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 that DNA, I think, of almost just knowing how to solve this offense and things that even though it's a rough season, the coaches, you know, switches over, that doesn't just go away. I think you get a home game. I think people will show up for this rivalry game. I think you get a decent atmosphere. I'll take the Huskies. I will say this. I know you guys accuse me of being biased towards the University of Washington. In 97, the Cougs. Your, co- your commentary, you accuse yourself, Tim. Yeah. You created your own category of former Husky players. And that's it just kind of evolved that way. Um, okay, 97, the Cougs beat the Huskies. The Cougs were in the power position. They go to the Rose Bowl. Ever since then, when the Cougs have had a shot to go play for the conference title or national title, 2002, Cougs were the favorites, choked against Washington. That knocked them out of playing the national title game. In, uh, what was it, 2019, 2018, whenever Gardner Minshew was there, Huskies beat the Cougs. If the Cougs would have won, they would have gone to the conference title game. Here is a chance that the Cougs have an outside shot of making the conference title game. I'm with you, Nate. Huskies win. Okay. Very Gutsy. exciting. Very passionate. I mean, I mean, I think it's, you know, Vegas thinks this could be tough for the Cougs, but I just, man, WSU is so much more cohesive. Uh, I mean, you, Huskies still have a really good defense. That's, I mean, Kyler, Kyler Gordon put NFL tape out there against Colorado. He was everywhere. I mean, they have good players on their defense, but Cougs have a good defense too. But they're they're at least competent, and they have an offense that can make plays and move the ball consistently. Huskies across, the and, and and you know, Nate's talked about talked about having WSU's number. But I, I think that was maybe a little more under the leech with the air raid and Lake just kind of knowing how to limit that those underneath throws. Um, Cougs beat the Huskies last year. Okay, I mean, well, no, Cougs, you guys last year, so you guys made your call, and we'll see what happens. No, no, no. Uh-huh. I don't know if we've mentioned on this pod yet, but the the one thing that Nick Rolovich and Jimmy Lake have in common both zero and zero in the Apple Cup, <laughs> <laughs> undefeated, undefeated. Um. In the game that I don't know what to call anymore, uh, conference title implications, seven and four Oregon State at nine and two Oregon. Oregon Nate, seven. Just to be there. clear, the the phrase "the Civil War" was too like traumatizing for people to hear. I think just the the implications of the era, slavery, just maybe just a little too much with. And Dennis Nixon know. was on the was like the leader of this movement was he not or he was very vocal i'm not sure yeah but okay I, the thing is i'm not really married to the title i think we were trying to call it like the platypus cup or something <laughs> i'm not really sure <laughs> what do you guys think uh ducks i mean i want the beeves but it's gonna be the ducks yeah i i flip, I, I i wrote both both teams down at different times flip flopping on this one um shoot give me the beeves just for chaos there you go oregon is really banged up that's the only asterisk i think here 
I don't have a ton of confidence in the Ducks at this point, but I think that people overreact to single games. I think they just got caught in a moment in Utah. And Oregon State has just shown that they don't take their show on the road this year. No. 6-0 at home. Is it 1-4 and four or 1-5? 1-4, 1-4. 1-4 on the road. They lost to the Colorado on the road. Yeah, I just – they're only two weeks removed from that. It's not yeah. like that was the beginning of the season. They're two weeks yeah. removed from losing at Colorado. I don't think the Beavers take their show on the road. I think the Ducks win by two possessions, 10, 11, 12, something like that. I think the Ducks, yeah. Um, in a game that uh, – what is it, the wagon wheel? Is that what it is? Big wagon. The Territorial Cup? There you go. I always remember on the college football video game, it was a wagon. Conestoga <laughs> wagon? I don't know. <laughs> One in 10 Arizona, seven and four Arizona State. ASU 20-point favorites. I think that's too high of a line. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, ASU just, they looks like they look like they're done for the season, frankly. I don't know if they're getting a whole regime change and Herm's done, but it's it's hard to ever predict Arizona winning a game. But Arizona State, just they just look done. Maybe they'll win by 14. I think Arizona State wins, but by 14. Yeah. Um, you know, Arizona, they fight. But, man, I mean, they also looked pretty hapless offensively last week. Um, yeah, it's just hard to pick Arizona. Uh, yeah. So, it's a- ASU by default. Arizona State as well. Number six, Stanford, 10 and one. Or number six, Stanford. Number six, Notre Dame, 10 and one. <laughs> at three and eight, Stanford. Sorry. Did we just was, jump back to, were we back in 2013? Just we were, now? We yeah. We were. We were. I was like, is, is this in the California high school rankings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, Take it on modern day this week. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame, 19 and a half point favorites. I think that's too low. I'm picking Notre Dame, you guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll just beat this team by 30. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Notre Dame, it, they're not exactly explosive. They they're really a ground and pound type team, but that's that's plenty against Stanford. I, I think it'll be I think they'll probably outrush Stanford by 200 yards, you know. Yeah, I say Notre Dame by 24, you know. 35-14. Number 13, BYU, 9-2, at 4-6 and six USC. BYU, seven-point favorites. Cody, has uh, when was the last time a team of BYU's caliber was a touchdown favorite at SC? I mean, they're a ranked team. They're a top 15 team. You know uh, what? I, mean. it, I don't think it's been that long, unfortunately. Um, this, is a, this is a Mountain West adjacent team. <laughs> Um, AKA a Pac-12. I don't. I don't think it's honestly been that long because you know we're talking about the Clay Helton era here. Yeah. Um, but you know BYU pounds the rock. Um, I think they're gonna you know finish their sweep of the South. Um, and of, of the Pac-12 in general, <laughs> and uh, I think it'll be ugly. I don't. I don't understand how it's seven points. And, and, and SC has just been horrific in the Coliseum. Like, I honestly believe after the way the defense played, they've got to be dreading this game, honestly. Going up against a physical, hard-hitting, pound-the-rock BYU team. Nate? Yeah, this is weird. I want to pick the upset because remember I, when I said I, when you see a stinky line, it's yeah. like run towards it. <laughs> but I – 
it's hard to imagine USC getting stops. You know, like it's just I, I think that USC will score 24 points, but give up 40, you know, like or you know, I don't I don't know, 38, 24. I guess I'll I'll take BYU and 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 the cover, even though I think that line stinks and it screams <laughs> go after USC. I uh I'm gonna go with BYU unless Kalani signs that paperwork to be the head coach of your Washington Huskies. Maybe they'll, maybe that can be the distraction. Um, the final game. Well, it kicks off at the same time, BYU and SC Cal four and six at seven and four UCLA winner might be the next Husky head coach. Uh, loser also might be the next Husky head coach. If Feldman <laughs> has his way, um, UCLA six and a half point favorites. I, I think I've got a bunch of picks here that I'm going to regret. I think I'm just rolling the dice in the last, you know, week of the regular season. But well, we haven't I like, kept I like, for six weeks, so. Oh, I, I have the score. Uh, oh, do you? Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're we'll save plus it for next week. You're plus five on me in conference. I'm plus one out of conference. Nice. Um, and and Nate is currently twelve and four in conference. Oh, good uh, job, and, Nate. and four and four and five out of conference. Oh, so he's got a really nice in conference record, but. Guys, this is a um, Pac-12 like, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Ollie doesn't watch Pac-12. <laughs> uh, I, I have Cal. Uh, I just, I, I don't have a real rational reason for it. I just like the way they've been playing. I think other than this kind of two-week COVID hiatus, they're on a roll. And um, yeah, they're the fresher team, and I think you got a point to that. But I'm going to keep riding this. Chip is coaching for his job train, <laughs> so I'm going to. I'm going to take the Bruins. I too will take the Bruins. Um, all right. We pick, we've been picking three games nationally. We'll power through these ones. Do you guys have games? I have three games, but do you, do you, do you guys? Why don't we each pick? Why don't we each pick three? Each uh, pick three. We each pick one. Oh, sorry. Each pick yeah. one. We'll do three total. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. The spiciest in-state rivalry out there right now. You got. Mike Leach going up against Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl. Uh, Mississippi State is hosting, and when I looked, uh, you know, 24 hours ago, where they were actually favored by a point, which kind of surprised me. Point and a half now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Bulldogs in this one. I I don't know why. I just I just think that they've managed to pull out some improbable wins this year. Um, just you know, the, they'll have the cowbells clanging and. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Lane's thinking about other jobs he could be coaching at next year. Yeah. This moment. Tim, should I take the, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, no, you go, you go. Sorry. Well, I I feel like there's a couple obvious ones floating out there, but I, I feel like we, we got to choose the Ohio state Michigan game. Where's everybody said, Oh, for sure. Uh, but, but what are you guys' thoughts on the egg bowl? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. You first. Oh yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll go with Mike Leach and his broken nose as well. It's a super <laughs> short week. Uh, it's only five days. You know they're playing on Thanksgiving night, so yeah, they've been resilient. I I really believe in Lane. I I think when the talent is close, Kiffin gets the 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 job done. You know that they've lost the two games where they just simply had so much less talent. Right, every other game they've won. So I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Lane. Take take Ole Miss. All right. So uh, big game. 
Ohio State at Michigan. Ohio State's favored by eight. This is by far the tightest spread Ohio State has had, you know, that Vegas has put on Ohio State in, what, like six, seven, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, on the road, uh, you know, Harbaugh winless against Ohio State. The, you know, elephant in the room, monkey on his back, whatever it is. Um, I think this might be the year. I, I don't have a good reason for that. I mean, he clearly doesn't have a history to prove that he can beat Ohio State, but I'm picking Michigan to to pull a stunner. Tim? <laughs> no way. Ohio State is <laughs> so much better than they were when they lost to the Ducks earlier in the year, and they have just been trending lately. I'm going Ohio State. So I'm with Cody on this one at kickoff. I think that it's supposed to be like 31 degrees in this game. Give me the team that wants to go ground and pound rather than flip it around. Give me the home team in a hostile environment. I'm taking the Wolverines. Wow. Wow. Cool guys. Gang up on me. Um, (laughs) The game, is it Bedlam? Is that what it is? Yeah. Nice choice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm getting at my old age. I'm forgetting these rivalry names. Um, number 10, Oklahoma. Bedlam, Bedlam will soon be found to have some sort of uh, 1920s racial connotation, and we'll be outlawed. So don't worry, you won't have to remember it too much longer. (laughs) Number 10, Oklahoma at number seven, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, four point favorites. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State, even though Oklahoma only has one loss, hasn't looked particularly great. Also, Oklahoma State has one of the top defenses in the country. Yeah, Oklahoma State's that team in the you know the playoff rankings that has had a f- phenomenal season, um, and it's just you know completely, I think almost completely ignored nationally speaking. Uh, Gundy has an abysmal record against Oklahoma. Is the only hesitation. I mean, I, I think he's like two and nine or something against Oklahoma. They've absolutely owned him. Oklahoma. Uh, Like I saw some stat. It's like, they're like 90 and like 16 all time against Oklahoma. It's not much of a rivalry. They're living, they're living rent free in their heads. Yeah. But I I, I like the Cowboys. I think, I think they maybe break through Oklahoma's super shaky. I, I just think Oklahoma state's legitimately the better team. If you, you know, what's funny is if you look this line looks stinky. I four seems really small, actually. Oklahoma State seems like you know significantly the better team coming in. Uh, 273 points for 105 points against. They're not giving much up. I I think Oklahoma State could win big here and try and make a, a point to the playoff committee. Maybe see if if they get two big wins back to back here in the in the Big 12 championship. Uh, can you guys explain to me if they beat Oklahoma, they're just going to turn around and play them again? Yeah. Or like, uh, is, it, is that right? Or will they yeah. will they play it's Baylor? A, it's the top two teams. So okay, I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, I guess if Baylor wins, maybe because Baylor is a head to head. Yeah. On Oklahoma. Yes, it could be Baylor. Yes, if Baylor wins, then. Yeah, I guess it could be. You're right. If Baylor beats Texas Tech, it'll be Baylor. Yes. Um. And unless Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, then then they just turn around and run it back. No I believe what. that's accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 
because Oklahoma State has the head-to-head. But anyways, if if I think if Oklahoma State gets two big wins, including avenging their one loss. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they didn't lose to Baylor. That wouldn't be avenging their loss. But you get my point. If Oklahoma yeah. State gets two big wins, I think they're thinking that they could still be a playoff team. And Yeah, I mean, they, they can have – there's – uh, you know, UGA and Bama are, are both ahead. They're going to theoretically have to play, you know. Um, well, maybe it's not even theoretical anymore. I think they both locked up their division. So that, you know, one of those teams is going to have an extra loss. Right. Michigan and Ohio State play this week. One of those teams is going to have an extra yeah. loss and will not be a conference champion. That's right. So um, let's let's say Oklahoma State beats Stanford, Oklahoma. Stanford's got a real shot to whoop on Notre Dame this week and knock that. <laughs> No, but seriously, let, let's just say, for, for lack of a better, that Oklahoma State somehow beats Oklahoma by like 24, and Cincinnati needs to come from behind win by a field goal to beat East Carolina. Don't think that it's beyond this committee to move the Power 5 team right in there, right? No. It's not beyond them. I was joking about Notre Dame losing to Stanford, obviously, but Notre Dame does not have a conference championship game to hang their hat on and, and kind of finish the season. They're, they're sitting idle. Um, I certainly think OK State could move up as high as five. Uh, I I think that Cincinnati at four, maybe I'm just being optimistic, seems like a signal from the committee that they're going to let Cincinnati play their way in if they win out. Um, they'll they'll theoretically have another solid win in the AAC championship game against Houston. There's um, no there's no joke on Saturday at East Carolina. Yeah, it's not a tough then, game per se, but Houston's, it's not a joke. Houston's you know only ranked twenty fourth. They're a ten and one team, so that would be another solid win for um, Cincinnati, assuming that they they win this weekend. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's I, I don't think that's out of the question. I think beyond. I think Ohio State, or sorry, excuse me, Oklahoma State, that at that seven spot probably is the cutoff for teams with a shot to make it into the playoff at this point. Mm-hmm. Agree. Uh, I, and I, I, and I believe that I, I think OK state has a way to leapfrog their way in. I don't see how Notre Dame at six plays their way in at this point. Yeah. I, don't think I just so. think, I think someone would leapfrog them. Um, I, and I, I personally think that, you know, this is the first time a, a group of five, uh, school has been allowed to be in the top four at any point. I think it's a significant moment. I don't see them moving them out if they, if unless Cincinnati loses. But I mean, Cincinnati, I mean, Houston's 10 and one. Houston could beat Cincinnati. I mean, it's not crazy. Either, True. So, so, okay, state certainly has a shot. Yeah. All right, Tim, let's hear this. Yeah. Let's yeah. Hear this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, come on. We're a Pac 12 podcast and we're talking about Oklahoma State. Who gives a rip? Just pick the game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I think, I think we all have Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but 98-18 and seven is the all-time record there. And like in the 30s, there was that's a, incredible. There was a six-year stretch in the 30s where Oklahoma State won like two in a row, but there were like three ties. But yeah, like, I think you got to realize though, like Oklahoma State, they. So my my wife's grandfather went there. They used to be Oklahoma A and M. It was truly, you know, an ag school, and so they've they've never maybe ever been on the same plane, but they've really only even been kind of considered peer schools for the last maybe 25 years. Yeah. In terms of, you know, football and, well, and 80s, just, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, but yes. 
35 years but yeah i mean yeah. so i mean that cumulative records yeah you know but when they were like literally had yeah. yeah my 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 wife's grandfather like was a road road bulls in college at yeah. oklahoma state or at o- oklahoma a so it was a different different oklahoma state okay this is not an different... oklahoma state podcast we're talking way too much oklahoma state let me talk some back 12 here before we go. let's let's talk about let's find some more husky defensive backs to talk up no right now. no no <laughs> a running back this year that was husky player of the week nfl thank you um, you mentioned okay. Kyler Gordon, if I remember correctly. So anyway, uh, long story short, by the time we record our next podcast next week, a lot of jobs might be filled. So my last question for both of you, I'm going to give you the jobs that are open. I want to just know who you are. We don't need explanations. Or if anybody's even still listening to this, we don't need explanations. Is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? Could you hear me? Okay. The <laughs> USC job. Who will be? Because remember, I mean, all these games in Saturday, we typically record on Tuesdays. There's probably going to be some things. So who will be the USC coach? Will there be a USC coach on Tuesday when we record? And who will it be? I don't believe there will be a USC coach next Tuesday. Um, if there is a USC head coach next Tuesday, I think maybe the good bet would would be Matt Campbell. Um, I'm thinking it might take another week, and maybe it's Dave Aranda. But. All right. I do not think there'll be a coach next Tuesday because, I mean, USC intends to play Cal at this point, right? Oh. Yeah, I don't think that would necessarily prevent them from hiring. I but, I mean, be more, more a function of other coaches. Those other so, coaches yeah. wrapping up their seasons. But, yeah. Well, everybody, th- for the most part, is going to be done Saturday. I think uh, December the maybe, like, ninth is more realistic for a new USC coach. And I'm going to say it's Dave Aranda. All right. Uh, who will be Washington State's coach? Nate, Nate and I should both mention that we also have serious reservations about USC as a as an organization being able to execute on this. I, I, I can tell you guys think it's going to be another almost month before they make a coaching hire. Uh, that's dramatic. Two weeks. Well, if it's if it's Aranda and, and Aranda makes the Big 12 championship game. He's not going to sign with USC he's, right before he he's plays not the even going to talk. Game. He's not even going to talk to him until that's he's. Fair. That's fair. Fair. And and for a hire of this magnitude, at, for a program that's in this space, and a fan base that's this depressed, they got to get this right. And waiting a week is worth it to get the right guy. For well, the you know what? Years. Then let's just kill this segment because you guys hate it. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I like it. this. I it. it just won't be this Tuesday. No, We're just know, giving you honest answers. <laughs> good, yeah, good things yeah. come to those who you work. can't you handle like the answers. truth. You know Stop what? asking the wrong questions. <laughs> this is the last time I do this ever again. Okay. Wazoo, will they have a coach in place? Yes. I think they'll announce Dicker is the coach by Wednesday. The That would be the the. Oh, you said by the time we record on Tuesday. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, you guys, neither you guys don't think that the. Well, I think that the Cougs are going to win the Apple Cup, and the Beavs are going to win the. Oh my gosh. Other game that can't be named. Both won't happen. Which means Dickert will be coaching in the Pac-12 championship, or preparing for the Pac-12 championship game while signing his new contract. Okay, then let me ask you about the only open job that won't be playing. Which which. Which is how Clay Hilton got his job. I'll remind you was he won a big rivalry game, got into the Pac-12 championship, and then 
after he got his contract signed, got his doors blown off. <laughs> yeah, that would probably – I could see that happening. It's, it's, well, Mel Tucker, see, this last week. Okay, Huskies. Huskies. Do you think the Huskies will have a coach in place by the time we record? No. No? We'll see this segment. You know what? I'm never going to just pull these segments out of my head again. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Who do you, who do you think it's going to be, Tim? Who do you, well, if it, I know one name. Who's it going to be? Campbell. Okay. And yeah, I think – Timeline works. Yeah, I, I think that they'll have a coach on December the 3rd, and I think it'll be Matt Campbell. And, and and the flip side behind uh, the upside of doing it as quickly as possible is early signing day is days from, you know, it's just like what, three weeks from now. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, it just seems like people move, people move quick. But if they'll be, do you trust Jen Cohen to get this job done after absolutely the last, after the men's basketball? Absolutely and, not. But okay. Great. Here we are. But well, I mean, she's got all is, the resources she needs. You guys were talking about it. And well, and this is what I kind of mentioned to you via text earlier today. And I know we've gone a lot longer than we <laughs> planned to. Um, um, I mean, you, Cody, you, t- you texted us about Hugh Freeze getting what a $4 million contract. And that is more than a lot of Pac 12 coaches. And this is majority. Majority, majority. This, these next two weeks, we will find out how serious the Pac-12 is about football with who USC hires, who Washington hires, and you got to imagine if Miami opens up, they're going to go hard at Cristobal. I mean, other schools could go hard at Cristobal. Who WS? How much? How much? You know, does WSU make the easy hire, or do they go chase Kalen DeBoer, or you know, someone that's going to cost them a little bit more? Yeah. And if Arizona State opens, who they hire? You know, there's if Whittingham decides to retire. Tim, you didn't say who. Who do you think is? Is there going to be a coach at Washington next week? Oh, I think he's, he said Campbell. I, I, I think Campbell. it'll be Campbell. I don't know. I mean, it seems he's going to be somebody who's not going to be preparing for something. So if if he's their guy, then he will be announced. I would imagine by the time we record, he's he's got a toothy enough smile to match Chris Peterson. So I All think right. it, he's a good fit. He's from the same hometown <laughs> as Don James. Well, so we're already <laughs> over. Okay, so let's just go yeah. ahead and do it. Who, yeah, who, let's just go. Let's just, let's just who, who's who, who's going to be the LSU coach? Oh man, uh, I, I would have said Billy Napier, but now Florida's open. It sounds like maybe that's that's who's going to get Billy Napier. What about Aranda at LSU? I I wondered. Yeah, that, that, I, I mean, that would be USC's biggest. They've conference. got way deeper pockets than SC. They've got a way more supportive booster, you know, pack of but, boosters that will, will give them that money. But remember, Woodward's the AD there. He's the one who got Peterson to leave Boise to come to UW. He got Jimbo to leave Florida State and come to AM. I I think it could be Kiffin. Yeah. Which is crazy that he would hop even within the same division, but they they have deeper pockets better access to talent oh yeah so nobody thinks it will be lincoln riley well i've never i've never heard of that one that's interesting oh yeah he's been floated yeah i mean it might just be in the sec one way or the other soon it might just be his agent wanting well that's part of it cody you just named it i think he realized if he's going to be coaching in the sec easier to recruit at an lsu or or at oklahoma if you're going to be playing in the sec right 
So, but you got a good thing going at Oklahoma. So it's hard to imagine, but. Well, how about this next week? Maybe I'll ask you who you think will be coaches the following week. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. We'll just keep, we'll just keep updating week by week, Tim. We'll keep the pulse on it. Recycle. Yeah. Recycle. I mean, all the names that get, that keep getting floated for these big jobs, just keep getting big new shiny contracts at their, at their yeah. current places of employment. So we'll see the, you know, the, that big 10, con- you know, TV contract money is enabling yeah. those schools to make those kind of paychecks. Pac-12 does not have that TV money yet. That's exactly right. You know, a name I thought of, and, and you guys can tell me if I'm crazy. What if Matt rule decides after two years, he doesn't like coaching the NFL as much as he likes coaching college and LSU or Florida for that matter, threw a bunch of money at him. He doesn't strike maybe Florida. He doesn't strike me as an LSU guy. They need someone that can go down there and connect. Yeah. And he's not doing poorly a little bit more. No, no, I'm not saying that. Like he's a great coach. He just, he doesn't scream LSU football coach to me. Yeah. It's it's hard to be more LSU than Ed Ogeron running running shirtless around campus. (laughs) What about one other name? What about Dabo? Does he leave Clemson? No. No. Only for I Bama. think he he could he could someday try to be the heir apparent at Bama. Yeah, but other than that, I don't think he has any reason to ever go. I mean, he's we don't have to get too into this, but he has very strong personal beliefs and like his faith and stuff. Yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of public schools that would let him be himself the way Clemson has yeah. let him do that. You know, he also had very strong personal beliefs about the kids getting paid. He took <laughs> he's still coaching. So he did back off those. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> so as long as he's still getting paid, yeah, he's yeah. all good. That's yeah. right. As long as it's like, well, is my direct deposit still in there? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we better actually wrap this okay, up. Okay, all right. Well, we will be back next week with all the fallout from the coaching carousel and and Pac-12 college. champion uh, entrance. and I mean, it's pretty exciting that we still have, what, four possible teams that could win the conference the last week of the regular season. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, this has been Best Coast Football. Wait, I'm, I'm messing up the intro. Yeah, I'm just off my game. For Cody Peterson, Nate Salinas, I'm Tim Kelly. This is Best Coast Football. <laughs>